Hey everybody, welcome to episode 123, is that? All right. Well, we've, we've officially gotten to the point where we've lost count. I'm, com- I'm definitely losing count at this lost point. Lost count confirmed, okay. <laughs> it is 100 and... yeah. 123 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour, and we are really focused on the SCG Tour today. We have SCG Player of the Year... Zan said. Uh, hey, Zan. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we're going to pretend like we're super excited and yeah. it's new that we're meeting you, even though we live together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, we, we see Zan every day, but it's always nice to see Zan. Yeah. And it's yeah. good to have you on the podcast. Thanks, yeah. guys. I appreciate it. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's been, a, it's been quite a long year. I still haven't had a chance to like soak it in that. I won player of the year. And yeah. that really qualified for the PC, even though we're testing every waking minute. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some late nights already. It's going to be a long week. <laughs> yeah. How How is the testing going? I know you can't share any, like, it's just too dangerous to share any particular. We can't talk all. about it. But we were up until 4.30 in the morning last yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I had no idea it was 4.30. I, I was yeah. eating a bagel in the kitchen with Collins, and I was like, Collins, what time is it? He's like, 4.30. I was like, Jeremy should be getting up. Yeah. <laughs> and then he did. He came downstairs. It was, about, it was about the time. Yeah. But anyways. So I think today, what we're going to try to talk about, um, we're going to spend a lot of time, Zan, talking with you just about how this year has gone, the PC race, player of the year race, the developments of Team Lotus Box over the course of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to get into the substantive magic content that we can actually talk about is Pioneer. Kind of got to give the other formats a miss because you can't give away yeah. your tech for the 16-person tournament. But uh, with three new bands and it's still like a very fresh format, I think that should be pretty fun to talk about anyway. So. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about Pioneer. Cool. Mm-hmm. So what do you... I guess... I don't know whether the best questions to ask to sort of like get into this like PC and player of the year race sort of thing. Um, I mean, what did you like? How did the progression go? When did you start feeling like, okay, this could really happen this year? That I could win player of the year? Yeah. Honestly, it it goes back to season one. We're at dinner. Um, it's like all of Team Lotus Box. We're in King of Prussia. <laughs> and Dylan kind of calls me out at dinner. It, 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 he didn't have bad intentions, but I was having a bad season. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even think I was like I on this, yeah. on the leaderboard. Like I was not in the top hundred of the leaderboard. And uh, that moment, like I just was kind of like I kind of I kind of said said it, but I'm not like positive. It was more like I'm not gonna be on the bottom forever. And when I had that realization, I was just like, I'm just gonna do well at every tournament. Um, and I just feel like even if I don't, even if I'm not the spikiest person that if you put me on the course of half of season one to the year, I will, I'm going to win. Yeah. And then that's just what happened. We just, every, every tournament I felt like I found either the best deck or the second best deck. And that's all you can do every weekend. I I feel like I remember this very specific turning point in our year where it kind of dawned on all of us. That we could make the players championship, yeah. like and because I like for me personally, like I was out of it for a while, and then I spiked a couple times and I was yeah. in it, and you know Edgar was in it, and uh, you know all these people, and then all of a sudden we were like, wow, we could really do this and put like six people 
into the players' championship. But and and we were all kind of like, whoa, wouldn't that be silly? Six, and it was like four was like the reasonable number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember that that was like a huge turning point for me and my like commitment in the team, right? Where you know we weren't really sure what was going on. It wasn't really clear who could make it and who couldn't. Yeah. But then I just remember there was this like very specific time where we just like all turned it on. Yeah. And you were a huge part of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was every single person, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, like it was like the creation of like the process. We were just like, all right, we have we can create the system between like two of us. Mm-hmm. And that became three of us. That became four of us. Yeah. And every single person who bought into the system made made the pc and i 100 percent believe that if we were to do it again and every single person bought into the system i have no doubt that we could have eight out of eight yeah talk to me about so what do you mean by the system what like describe what that process is okay i mean the system is (laughs) the first of all like you have to put your ego aside and you have to believe that every single person on the team it has something to contribute once you get past that then it's just all right who's gonna find the right answer this time and you just have to make sure you keep checking in with every single person and honestly you just learn something new there's so many times i go downstairs collins is working and i'm just like all right collins what do you have for me he says xyz and i'm like well that's opposite of what i've been testing but like let's let's hear your thought process and all of a sudden we have two different ideas but one somebody's idea is better than the other person's right when we put it in front of the team, which is like a the the ultimate judge, I mean, the truth just comes out. Yeah, the system is like our process for finding the best deck for every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that's like the fundamental goal for our testing process every week for every tournament is that we want to be playing the best deck. Mm-hmm. We want to give ourselves the best opportunity to play the best deck. So what we're doing throughout the whole week is working together, bouncing ideas off of each other to 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 break it to figure it out to find the best deck for each weekend Mm -hmm. and and you know and the system is like our just like our communication process it's just like how we talk to each other how we go about figuring things out yeah i mean like season one it was a little bit different because we were a lot more separate entities but if you've noticed like as time has gone on we're in season two we started playing the same decks Mm-hmm. that's like never happened in team lotus box we all had separate ideas and we'd all throw our like deck against the wall and see who's stuck but now it's at the point where our communication's so good that we know like we can decipher what is what are the right answers or if there's two right answers the first time it really happened was invitational season one mm-hmm. we came we we decided that there were two decks it's esper or the green ramp deck and we basically split up into camps. And guess what happened? Collins made top eight and Rossum made top eight. Mm-hmm. And they were both right answers. After that moment, then that's when we started creating even better things because we could get to the right answer sooner and then we could take that deck to the next level. Urz is a really good example of that. You know, like I took it to regionals, but after regionals, everybody was like... We all knew. Yeah. yeah. And then we created the next version and that took a huge thing because there was two camps combo not combo right we fought over it but like i would say like five five out of three people were on combo and three people weren't on combo and then then all of us were on combo and then by by the time invitational came out eight out of eight it was on, uh, of us were on karn so like that whole trusting process happened with even our 
like best creation. Mm-hmm. So how much of that do you think is due to like the team dynamic evolving to that point and how much is due to because I feel like these formats have also condensed down to where they're actually like are very clearly like best decks or like worst choices and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like modern is smaller than it's been in a long time and yeah. standard is smaller than it's been and at least when it's been good in the past couple of years yeah i mean modern might be our fault right (laughs) Um, honestly kind of yeah if urza does not exist if urza doesn't exist the way it exists Mm -hmm. like if it existed like the harlan build that that deck is so much more adaptable to so if that like if this version of urza doesn't exist we have such a wide metagame right like right now it's all the decks that combat urza and if you don't combat urza you are losing Mm -hmm. like you can look at the last gp top eight you know it it won through all all odds you know and we still put in two people in top eight and evan was one of them in bigger tournaments is going to continue to do the to do that because urza is such a hard deck to respect imagine it's your first gp you're like i'm putting some stony silence collector oofs like eight of these effects are going to be enough and you play against it and you're like Wow, that match was not close. Mm-hmm. You right. just get Oko to death or whatever. But not everybody's going to have time to experience that mm-hmm. on Magic Online. Right. You know, this deck's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that I've noticed a very, like, you know, ignoring, like, the external factors. Like, internally, I've noticed a huge shift in the way that we've worked together. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has um, improved quite a bit over the, over the course of this year. Sure. Um, as well. Oh, yeah, so, a lot. Yeah, and just yeah, just kind of developing the trust that we have now to be able to all register the same deck at a tournament like that just didn't exist before, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, it does now. It does come with some logistical problems, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, finding all the cards for the invitational was a struggle. <laughs> I know that you had no yeah. mox opals until like very very had, small amount of time. Before I had no the mox opals until started. round three of standard. Pioneer. Uh, or, oh, yeah, excuse me, Pioneer. <laughs> Round three of Pioneer is when I acquired the rest of my modern deck. Just, yeah, it's just in time. And it's not like That's you were not. waiting for somebody to arrive on site with your Mox Opals. Like, you didn't know where you were getting Mox Opals <laughs> right. from. I was in possession of Dom's, but he was, like, he, like pretty ambiguous on whether or not he was going to play them in, yeah. the, in the modern section. <laughs> so I was like, I can't rely on these. I need to find some other ones. Yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a good time. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, like, our mantra is becoming... Like finding the cards is the hardest part of our mm. tournaments nowadays. So I'm like That's pretty true. on board with like finding them like the round before. Like uh, in Philly, we didn't have Urzas like right before the tournament. And I just went, <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to buy $200 worth of Urzas right before, like five minutes before the tournament. But like when I got to the table, I wasn't even mad because I was just like, we have prepared so hard for this tournament and we're so ready and our decks are just phenomenal that. We're going to do really well. I'm going to get the money back anyways. Yeah, like Urza's are just a good investment at that point. <laughs> exactly. And I was just like, like the hardest part of this tournament was buying these Urza's. Well, let's move on with I think you're downplaying how difficult the work that went. Like, you're, by the time you get to the tournament, you're confident in your deck choice. But mm-hmm. yeah. leading up to it, yeah. 
It, um, it is a lot of work for sure. Yeah. But it is it is cool that we feel that way, just kind of like stepping back and looking at it, because if we view that as the hardest part, that's like the no fun, nobody wants to do this part. But like the, the actual hardest part, which is like doing the work that we do throughout the week, I don't, you know, it, I don't really view it as like hard because I enjoy it so mm-hmm. much, you know? Yeah, I do. And I, I know that Zan feels the same way. So. Yeah, no, I do enjoy it. Like, yeah, I, I would say like my mind is like really happy, but my body sometimes like why don't you ever let me sleep? <laughs> why do you, why do you like think about magic so much? Like, yeah. Yeah. On that note. So you started streaming. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not that long ago, actually, but you've been doing it like pretty consistently since you started. Yeah. Um, how is streaming going and what has that transition to like that kind of content been like? Honestly, I think, um, I actually think it's like the next evolution for our team because it has, Oftentimes, like, we like to cast a wide net with all the people that we know. And streaming is so much more different than that. Because you have, like, this collective group of people that are super interested in what you're playing. And they just have so many, like, great thoughts that you can... Obviously, it has bad thoughts, too. But, like, <laughs> um, so many great thoughts that you're just like, all right, let me try this, let me try this, let me try this. Right, and that's it's one like, of the harder things in deck building is like coming up with the ideas in the first place yeah. is like for this slot like what goes here and somebody just mentioned something you're like oh that's that's actually a really good idea i gotta try that exactly i'm a, i i think i'm a really creative person but nothing compared to the high mind of streaming so it's kind of become like this moment where i take a step away from the team and go interact with a whole new group of people and i think that's like gonna make me a better magic player hmm. i also like you have to verbally explain a lot of things. And that's one of my, I would say, weakest weakest things is I just, like, like want someone, like, that's, like, near me to be, like, yeah, like, everything you're doing just makes perfect sense. But you have to explain it. And that w- once you get down to explaining it, then you can, like, it's, like, double-checking your work. Mm-hmm. Streaming is, like, going to make me a better Magic player. And I think a lot of people, if they had that mindset, like a lot of the pro players these days had that mindset. I think that would, you know, be better for just just them in general. Like it's like the new type of pro. I'm excited. I'm genuinely, I'm pretty bummed about this event because this is probably the first of like first event that I'm I'm not able to stream because information is so important. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really do wish I could have streamed all of my testing. And it's, it's not, because the event is important, it's exclusively because of the size of the field, right? Yeah. yeah. 16 people. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I, I've never played it in an event like this, and I don't think many people have. Yeah. I, I've also never played an event like this. <laughs> Dylan has. Dylan has. Yeah. But uh, even Dylan can probably tell you, like, th- this event is 16 people who have adapted through many fields. Like, I, I w- remember watching those races, and those races involved a lot less pivoting. Mm-hmm. These, like, you could play, like, one or two decks and get through that time. This time, I f- just think about how many hurdles Modern went through. Mm-hmm. Phoenix. Oh, we were talking about, like, at, at this weekend I was hanging out at an IQ, and we were talking about, like, Man, it's been a long year. And Lee was like, yeah, you know, KCI was legal at the beginning of this year. No way. Yeah. Yes. No way. Really? Yep. Yeah. yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. Modern has gone through like three full, like, just complete overhauls since then. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's been a marathon and it never slowed down. Like, just like the way I felt before we figured out the um, uh, Urza deck was like, why are we in this new place? Like, I, I have to play like this Urza combo-y deck and it's not even good. And then after that was when we figured out Urza. But before that, I just felt like so beat down because we had just... We just had that burn weekend in Dallas. It was just like so many, so many just pivots over and over and over again. How <laughs> many, how many different modern decks did you play this season? A, a ton. Like, I, I played a lot of burn. Yes. I played Urza. Uh-huh. Played Infect. Uh-huh. Played Phoenix played once. Phoenix once. Uh-huh. Did you play Tron? Uh, I think I. Um, if we're only counting this season, no. But last season, I played Tron. Played Tron. Yeah. I mean, um, like. Yeah. Those are all decks that require. A level of mastery. I played Dredge. Yeah, so many decks. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, I played, got, I played KCI. Yeah, and yeah. and I played well, not KCI. Sorry, uh, I played um, Kethis. Kethis. KCI. Oh yeah, you played Kethis. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah. It's modern. All at major a, tournaments. A yeah. wild ride. Yeah. yeah. And now we've crazy. we've definitely settled into like a particular paradigm of modern where. Mm-hmm. Mox Opal is a pretty good card. Very true. It is. Uh, but with everything, everything is beatable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I... Like, as much as I would love to buy and foil out a deck, I'm just never going to do that. Like, we just don't have the time. Like, a deck a deck these days has a time limit of a tournament. <laughs> Sometimes it's, like, gone before the tournament even ends. Because mm-hmm. in the classic, we, we realize, oh... People realized like it was it was like the Bant Bant tournament where we were playing the Bant to Fairy deck in standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the end of day one, we realized oh everybody should be playing Field of the Dead. Yeah. So it's just like some like decks just have so, such small lives. Yeah. And then they get banned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's been another like right. instigator of all of this uh changes that uh even outside of our own perspective magic has just gone through a tumultuous ride lately yeah it's been crazy well yeah and i mean even if you're like yeah this deck rules like i'm gonna definitely play this as long as i'm allowed to like we don't know how long like Urza's probably gonna be good for a, a long time now mm-hmm. yeah but if they just ban mox opal then you yeah, know it's gone that's it but I, I have no doubt that we would be able to figure out something like that again yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah but if you foiled out your deck then you'd be a little a little bummed out right yeah, yeah no yeah. for sure <laughs> particularly in pioneer but we all knew that you know pioneer good decks were just dominoes waiting to get knocked down by bands in that format yeah, yeah. but that's awesome it is awesome mm-hmm. very true um so how about you talked about like how your like testing process has evolved over the course of the year, but how about just sort of like the team as an entity and kind of as a business? Because you started the Patreon, you started the Discord, and yeah. now you give away your team deck before each event. So what, you know, how does that affect your thinking going into the event and day of the event? Like what what is different now? Like what does that do to you as a team and and for your prep? Well, it wasn't it wasn't really affecting any of my decisions before this past invitational. Mm-hmm. But after seeing how much how much reach and how much effect it had on the people we were playing against in a smaller field, that, that like them knowing exactly what we're playing, like all the Carns, everything, it was just it felt good. 
honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, the majority of our team cashed, right? Like, seven out of eight of us cashed. Uh, none of us top aided, but we all made deep runs. We all, Collins and, and Edgar were on the bubble. They, they made it. They read, I, I felt great about that event. But what I did realize is that uh, the Patreon has is uh, causing some waves. And I think that giving out that information in the fashion we do is is good. Mm-hmm. It's um, like it really uh, builds trust between us and our audience. Because at the end of the day, you know, even if we don't win the tournament, like uh, people know that we're building the best decks and i think overall that's like more important to me that like someone's like oh like i want to get better at magic they join they join the patreon and then they start asking questions being part of the community and then all of a sudden they're like all right out of all these lotus box decks i like this one i'm gonna go in a tournament they do well like those stories are like much more important to me than like winning winning another open mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be a, like when uh like brian koval won the gp and evan didn't end up winning but he was like a patreon member and that to me was like awesome like because he's already a great magic player mm-hmm. he like he doesn't need us but like he wants to be part of the community and that like made me feel really great yeah or, or like when cyrus tweets out like gonna start taking non-legacy format seriously like i have joined the lotus box twitter like that's <laughs> yeah that's pretty that's pretty cool too because i, I want to work with all these people mm-hmm. like and if they're like joining our patreon to do so like if tomorrow they launch a patreon i'll join them. like like that, that's what that's what i want our community to be about it's just like helping each other like i'm part of your patreon and you're part of mine right yep yep that's awesome like <laughs> like we're just like building this um we're just making being able to play magic as a living possible and that with your friends it's just like amazing yeah that's yeah. huge and just sending a couple couple of dollars to patreon headquarters every month just that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how, how it goes the patreon tax well we appreciate patreon so. <laughs> they it yeah. does it is helpful that that exists yeah. I, it's definitely yeah. kind of like the new model for just like co- making money off of content creation like mm-hmm. I, I, everybody kind of expects some amount of stuff to come out for free you know like at least the podcast model is have these episodes but you are welcome to come support us if that's what you choose to do yeah Um, no i absolutely love that and i feel the same way about like our outlet like my outlet is streaming mm -hmm. you know like if you come into my stream and you see what decks i'm playing a lot of them are going to be on in our patreon Mm -hmm. so like it's not like I'm gonna be like, yo, you can't, you can't take this. <laughs> I can't stop. Right, you. you put it up on Stream Decker. Like anybody can just copy and paste whatever you're playing on stream at any given time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I, I'm not in in Magic for the money. I mean, I love the game. Yeah. Oh, it looks like chat is starting to ask about Pioneer. Is that a good time to transition? Probably, unless you've got anything else you want to talk about about making content, streaming, the team, anything like that. Uh, watch the PC on December fourteenth. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I will be watching. It's gonna be a great time. It's it's just this all feature match. <laughs> like yeah. every single matchup is a great feature match, and whatever they choose to show, and plus lots of lots of cool people to root for. So yep, yeah. I mean, team team Nova, team Lotus Box rivalry. Mm-hmm. Very real. Yeah, really, I mean, like they have like four or five mm-hmm. members, and we have six. So 
Um, it'd be cool to see who comes out on top. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, one of the weird things is definitely like, I really want one of you guys to win, but there's also a bunch of people in the tournament that I like really don't mind winning as well. Cause like we're friends with yeah pretty much everybody in this thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's only one person I think I have to meet the new SCG invitational winner. I can't wait to meet him uh, when mm-hmm. we go to Roanoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, every single person is, it's like, it's honestly like we're in high school again. Like we just, hang, we're just like, okay, yeah, we, our school is only on Saturday and Sunday at the tournaments, but like, you know, you're going to see the same people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It really kind of is like that. It's fun. Cool. Well, should we talk about some Pioneer then? Yeah. Yeah, Zen, you played a, a bunch of Pioneer PTQs last week. I did. Last week was the Magic Online PTQ... Pioneer Fest. Pioneer Fest. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Um, yeah, talk to us about that. So, on you played one on Monday. Yep. What'd you play? I played the Mono Black deck. Um, the deck was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, Smuggler's yeah. Copter is gone Red. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so just to preface this... Yeah. All of the results we have from every Pioneer tournament, including all of the PTQs that were run last week, are almost completely irrelevant at this point because Smuggler's Copter, Once Upon a Time, and Field of the Dead all got banned. And those were pillars of the format. If you look at the MTG Goldfish metagame, you got to scroll down to the ninth deck before you find a deck without one of the banned cards in it. So, you know, not all of these decks are completely gone. Yeah. Like, Simic Aggro can exist without Once Upon a Time, but that that's a big hit for it to take. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, so the format is fundamentally altered from these results, but, you know, we still can talk about sort of the, the fundaments of the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and uh, like our experiences there and what we've seen in the in the tournaments and stuff. This would be kind of like the history of Pioneer mm-hmm. circa last week. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is like a historical look, yeah. right? It's yeah. it's the past, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, it was, but it was last week. No. <laughs> Mono Black, like what I was a phenomenal deck, very, very powerful, like putting up by far the most results over the course of the the PTQs. Yep. Um, but boy, did that deck lean on Smuggler's Copter. Yeah, no, definitely. There were so there were quite a bit of hands where I would just keep all land Smuggler's Copter and like a one drop, and it would, <laughs> uh, and it would work out as long as Smuggler's Copter got to swing once, it changed your yep. your hand. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean that. Because it's like a, a consistency enabler. And, yep. you know, Mono Black is also able to do like a bunch of weird card advantage things with it and take advantage of the evasion and damage. But it also just like makes most of your hands function. And that was, you know, like once upon a time, like I kept almost every single hand that I've ever <laughs> opened with a once upon a time in yep. it. Um, and they just make your deck work too well. Yeah. Too smoothly. No, definitely. Yeah. So I played... Day- the first PTQ, which was on Monday, I played Mono Black. I uh, six threed, so I finished top thirty two. Um, I was five one at a point, but I ended up playing the mirror match seven times. <laughs> um, yeah, seven Mono Black mirrors in this PTQ out of an eight round tournament. Good lord! Yeah, that's and you were X one until like a couple rounds going into the. Yeah, my 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 first loss was to, I think, I think it was Robert Stanley. No, no, maybe yeah. that, that was on, that might have been on. No, that was the next day. That yeah, was the next yeah, day. Yeah, Never yeah, yeah. yeah, I lost to Mono Black the both of the time. So I six two. Sorry, so I six two, and my both of my losses were to the mirror. 
basically I felt like the mirror was really skill intensive, um, but it would have this moment where if your opponent or you top deck the exact right card, you could lose. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's basically what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was happy with a 6-2 finish having never played the deck. Then the next day, I decided that I was not going to lose to Mono Black or any aggro strategy and decided to play the other two banned cards, Once Upon a Time and Field of the Dead. <laughs> and um, Evan uh, helped, me, helped me build a deck, uh, like a, a green-black Field of the Dead deck uh, right before the tournament. But this version that we decided to create was, we don't want to lose to aggro decks. So we played Kalidus is in the main deck, we played... No thought seizes, man. No thought seizes. Legions, legions, and we just went ham. We were just like, I'm not losing to Mono Black, and I did play against Mono Black twice and crushed it, which was gr- which was great because that's what I geared up for. But other people adapted too. They all played. A lot of people played field decks, and that's where it got interesting. Evan and Kane recommended we play uh, something out of Collins's book. Which is, uh, what's the six mana guy again? Oblivion Sower. Oblivion Sower. Yeah. <laughs> and that plan was phenomenal. Yeah. Oblivion Sower with Worldbreaker, Ugin, and Olamog in the board. We would uh, lose every game one and then win every <laughs> game two and three. And sometimes they were sitting with Dovin's Vetoes in hand that were just rotting. Classic. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was I, awesome. I love it. Yeah. Throwback to Washington, D.C. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who weren't listening back then or, or paying attention to, to you know, top eight lists and stuff, um, this is Tech from Collins's finals finish at GPDC. Yeah. In the s- standard GP where you played uh, Green White Ramp. Green White Ramp in, and this was uh, to to jog everybody's memory. This is Teamer Energy Teamer standard. Energy standard, yeah. So everybody was playing Teamer Energy, and uh, there were a couple of ramp decks that people were trying out, but they all kind of like died post board to negates out of the sideboard of these uh, Teamer Energy decks. Mm-hmm. Every turn five, they would play, play a Rogue Refiner, hold up, negate. hold up, negate, pass the turn, and Hour of Promise was the big ramp card that we played. So you just like couldn't slam an hour, and then you you just kind of die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I played Oblivion Sower, and that just kind of like was a ramp, but like big threat that was a ramp spell that um, yeah blocks Bristling Hydra and yeah. doesn't die to Glorybringer and doesn't get countered by negate. Yeah, so. and it sounds like that was just the story of your mirrors because yeah. everybody was on Bant Field, everybody had Dovin's Veto. Yep. Just cast a million star. Yeah, I mean, if you like Worldbreaker or Ulamog, any mm-hmm. of their lands, then mm-hmm. Oblivion Star gets those too, yeah. and that became pretty relevant. Also, a five eight is huge. Eight toughness is just a, a ridiculous amount. Well, yeah. Who needs that it's, big of a butt? It's very large. It reads kind <laughs> of like a made up card. Like if somebody submitted yeah. like a a great designer search card. And that was Oblivion Sower. Like, mm-hmm. the first comment would be, why is it a 5-8? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. 6 mana 5-8. No big deal. I mean, I guess it's because, like, that was one of the ways they made Eldrazi weird was by, like, giving them strange powers and toughness or something like that. Sure. Definitely a big butt. <laughs> if they wanted me to feel weird about that card, they should have just made it, like, a 1-12. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, what is this? <laughs> It wouldn't be nearly as good then, you know. But it would be weird. You start getting diminishing returns beyond toughness. <laughs> on toughness. Of course, of course. And but... Once you hit the point where they can never kill it with damage, the extra right. toughness is not super helpful. Yeah. yeah. Yes, 5-8 but... adds up to 13, the Emrakul number. Yeah. Ooh, okay, all right. Ooh. But it, yeah. would be, it would be hilarious, though. Like, it would have, like, the T-Rex effect, you know, like... 
T-Rex has like small hands, you know, what I mean? like, it's just like, it just has no power, but such a big butt. And so I many lands. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the format was really pulled between those two poles of mono black aggro and field of the dead decks. Yep. Yeah. And those, those field decks kind of evolved. It was fun to watch these PTQs because the format did like evolve as the week went on. And we started with sort of the like sand black autumn burget black green versions of the ramp decks and then they got more and more trying to beat each other in weird ways yep. and some of those were bant de- bant decks with like counter spells in the sideboard and like teferi to fight against you know other decks with counter spells and that sort of thing yep. also some red green versions that had access to things like crumble to dust those weren't oh, super yeah. common but they definitely were popping up towards the end of the week um but basically Ramp spells plus Field of the Dead plus something was a recipe for how to construct these decks, and Field of the Dead was very present. But the mono-black decks were adjusting, or had adjusted already, and the main way they were doing that is by having like a critical mass of evasive creatures to end the game with after getting in their initial points of damage. Yeah. Um, so Rankle, uh, Spawn of Mayhem, and of course Big Daddy Smuggler's Copter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrangle's really strong. Wrangle is so good. Mono Black yeah. is still going to be around. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's going to be Tier 1. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that all the green decks don't have access to their like super consistent enablers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also it's not going to be targeted, right? Mm-hmm. As targeted. So I still think it's going to be around. Right. People aren't going to be running the dragon fight, whatever it's called. The like one in a red, oh, like three damage to a creature or planeswalker, exile it. Like... You're not going to run that because you don't need to target, like, specifically graveyard active creatures and smuggler's copter with one card. So I played an IQ this past weekend. Lee has made fun of me for talking about it so much, but I was very happy with the deck that I played for it. It was a pretty, like, metagamed deck. Uh, I just wanted to beat field decks and I wanted to beat mono black. Um, The cards that I thought were best at doing that were big, evasive creatures that also like made it hard to attack you yeah um and so the ones that i picked for that were questing beast uh rekindling phoenix and glory bringer um rekindling phoenix definitely seemed like an excellent choice because it was it's good against these field ruin decks Mm -hmm. because it's evasive and hard to kill yeah and then yeah against mono black it's just a huge brick wall yeah Yeah, they just can't ever really attack you like if they play a, a spawn of mayhem and you play a rekindling phoenix like yeah, that's really bad for them. The original list that I had pulled it from, uh, Daniel Fournier had posted a mm. list that he played a tournament with, but he had Chandra's in the Rekindling Phoenix slot, and mm. it was more of like a mid-rangey sort of thing. But I really wanted to kill my opponents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I I replaced those with the Phoenixes. Deck was really good for me. Glorybringer was phenomenal. Um, I also played. So I played. It was a teamer deck because I had to fit okos in there mostly brazen borrower was also very good Glorybringer was were phenomenal i played like the pseudo mirror versus like simic stompy decks a couple of times and killed a couple of steel leaf champions with Glorybringer, which is very satisfying yeah i love Glorybringer. and like the main thing that i found was like the takeaway was that in these sort of like monsters decks having access to the adventure creatures because i was running uh four bone crusher giants and a couple of brazen borrowers and by the end of the day i was like i probably just need to run more brazen borrowers than this because they just like filled gaps in your curve and like allowed you to run 
smaller creatures that when you draw them later have just like a lot of utility. And even though the focus of the deck is the four and five mana spells, these like bridge cards are really, really helpful. Um, I don't know how good this particular deck is going to be going forward. It did run once upon a time, so you lose that consistency enabler. Yeah. And it was pretty specifically like, I want cards that are good against mono black and good against Field of the Dead. And both of those <laughs> decks had their most important card ban. Yeah. So I'm definitely not saying play this deck going forward, but I, I've learned a lot from like building and playing this deck that hopefully can apply to future deck building ideas in this format so. no that's awesome yeah. did um did that kind of play out as you wanted it to during the tournament did you play a lot of mono black and field decks yeah i played against mono black once played against a local i played against a friend robert and he was on mono black and i just like drew Rika and like phoenix a lot and he mulliganed a little bit and just wasn't able to keep up with the card event a card advantage from that existing on the battlefield yeah yeah played against field a couple of times and just the threats you know I was able to just, like, have a Phoenix in play and then play a Questing Beast, have two four-mana creatures in play, and just not be scared. My opponent was forced to Supreme Verdict me, and it just <laughs> doesn't matter because you still get to attack for four on the next turn. Right. So, yeah, it did It did play out that way, um, and I split the top four, and the deck felt good, but, you know, it's, like, everything feels a little bit meaningless now. <laughs> we got to figure out a whole new world. Yeah. So Yeah, Pioneer is as fresh, I think, as it's ever going to be. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. You know, people people just don't know really what's going on. If you are a brewer, it is it is time to engage and like <laughs> figure out some stuff. So what Zan, I know you're excited to start playing some Pioneer. I mean after the PC, unfortunately. Yeah. But where where do you think you're gonna start with this new format? Uh I think I'm gonna go back to the green black harden scales deck. But I think that like uh once upon a time was a thing that was that made your deck so consistent. To be able to go one, two, three, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it became a necessary evil. But now that it's gone, a deck like your teamer deck, I don't think, since nobody else gets to play once upon a time, I think it's like, your deck still remains good. Obviously, you don't have like a meta to say that it's still gonna be good, mm-hmm. but there's like enough cards that can be switched around. Like, your four drops can be different, your five drops can be different. It all just depends on what the meta is at the time but in terms of like the decks that were like all in on once upon a time like a lot of the field decks those decks are obviously just 100 percent gone sure but like hardened skills and your teamer deck like those decks i feel great about i'm just like yeah i'm still gonna jam them right you lose some consistency but if the power level of the format as a whole has fallen like relatively speaking your deck didn't necessarily get weaker because you lost those consistency points i mean i naturally or didn't want to play that card like it just once upon a time yeah (laughs) yeah because if you ever drew it not if it was just not in your opening hand and you drew it afterwards that's not what my deck wanted to do like that's not what hardened scales wanted to do or your deck wanted to do they didn't want to take a turn off to do nothing on its curve so i think our the games are just going to get better i think once upon a time not existing in any format is better for that format. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, in the field decks, it was one one of... Like, that was the type of deck where the drawback of Once Upon a Time was the least... The smallest drawback. Yeah. Because you draw it later in the game, you'd be like, oh, good, this is probably a Field of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I mean, the other thing is, like, let's say your deck is really reliant on having a one drop on turn one. Once upon a time allowed you not to have the not to play ten one drops. It allowed you to play eight and yeah. still be something else way late in the game. Yeah. But now, you know, we can go back to those lists and consider playing maybe the two Gilded Goose that it wasn't playing because of Once Upon a Time. Those questions, I think, are good questions because we're just going to have different games, right? Like, instead of you, your opponent going one drop, two drop, three drop, and you going one drop, two drop, three drop, and letting the die roll decide who wins, it's more about who built their deck better. <laughs> yeah, um, I can definitely see that. One of the weird things, one of the other things that I, you know, picked up on in this tournament is that like Gilded Goose kind of fills that role where it's a good one drop as long as you are fine with like a Lotus Petal sort of effect um, and you're not trying to like use that mana every single turn. Um, But it also like kind of fills that role of being an elf that you're not upset to draw later in the game. Um, In modern, we like definitely know this to be true because you can use the artifacts that it makes for lots of different purposes. Um, Even in Pioneer though, like... I played a game where my opponent, we had kind of like locked up the ground and I was drawing a lot of lands and my opponent had a heart of Kieran and I had nothing with flying. And so he was just bashing me for four every turn, but I was just gaining three every turn because of Gilded Goose. And so my Llanowar Elves was shutting down like a 4-4 flying Vigilance threat. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's pretty wild. Like uh, we were just jamming some some paper games and uh you know somebody drew a late game goose and it was like wow this is this is an insane draw draw. it's just so good you know so it's yeah late game it can it can definitely count as a real threat and not only like a you know early early turn thing yeah Yeah. i mean as they print cards uh, as they print more cards for pioneer goose unless they just like stop trying to help artifacts completely i mean goose will become a problem Mm -hmm. yeah I yeah. mean, it's like the mana dork that doesn't have enough restriction. Yeah. The the, descri- the the description of it that I've heard the best is like, we've always heard about bolting the bird and that decision of whether or not you have to make. But yeah. when it's a gilded goose, it's a lot closer to bolt the Thraben Inspector. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you just, as long as that food does something in your deck, and yeah. in Pioneer, we're still allowed to play Oko, so... Yeah. But I feel more obligated to bolt the goose than any of these other right. cards. Right, yeah. <laughs> you never worry about the Thraven Inspector. You know, you definitely consider bolting the bird. Always kill the goose. Yeah. It, or at least a lot more often now. And, and it's just leaving that value behind. Mm-hmm. As long as that food, you know... I, I was playing a couple of Wicked Wolves in my sideboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the matchups where they came in, like, having that food was just so valuable. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I, you know, please, like, feel free to crush my goose's bones. <laughs> I will use this food for... <laughs> A lot of value later on in this game. Yeah. And I never imagined that they would print a mana dork that can that can just beat <laughs> that, that can fog for so long. Yeah. It just fogs forever. <laughs> like two mana to make a food that's like so efficient, like Yeah. Pretty it's wild. The next turn. Pretty <laughs> wild. Yeah. I know I like you just sometimes have games where you're like yeah, this is going to be my turn too, is making a food. And like, that's fine because the, my hand has the things to help me catch back up after that, especially because I have that extra resource in play that I can use somehow. So like, I mean, are you really trying to catch up after that? Like you just put six, six life on the table. Well, <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. Kind of. <laughs> six <laughs> life on the table. If you just make your land drops, you're just like, 
<laughs> yeah, I got I got like nine life on the table now. Like, if my opponent's playing burn or whatever, mm-hmm. like I, I won't feel bad. Yeah, it's it's matchup dependent how relevant the food on its own is. Yeah. But especially if you have things that can use it, then then it, it kind of just yeah. Your goose is just kind of drawing you cards every turn sometimes, and that's that's pretty wild. So I want to talk for a minute about like packages and strategies that maybe this format gets opened up to um, by these bans. So the Once Upon a Time ban reduces consistency overall for a lot of these green decks, but I don't think that that on its own like opens up avenues of attacking the format. But the Field of the Dead ban certainly allows you to play more reactive and slower strategies without just knowing that there will be a hundred zombies in play at some point this game um so you can play some planeswalker base deck or whatever um you can play some mid-rangey deck um the smuggler's copter ban just generally nerfs aggro decks across the board yeah so it's going to slow down that time pressure on your life total and allow you to do some other maybe cooler things so avenues that I'm looking at that were previously like kind of unavailable or at least shunted to the side. Um, Lee was playing a pretty sweet Rally the Ancestors deck at this IQ. It was a zombie-based rally deck yeah. where you... I mean, number one, you get Crypt Breaker, yeah. just like another Unreal one-drop, but it had eight black-white guys that either deal damage to your opponent or drain a life from your opponent whenever a zombie comes into play. So you play this like kind of goofy beatdown game with your zombies... And then you try to get them to kill off your zombies. You have Stitcher Suppliers and stuff. And then you just rally for like a giant drain life after that. So that was a pretty cool deck that um, probably the power level was not quite high enough to compete with these other decks. And maybe is closer now. Or just rally in general might be closer now. Also just other graveyard decks in general. So I'm thinking these sort of dredgy decks. You don't have Smuggler's Copter anymore to crew with Stitcher Supplier. So that, that particular interaction is lost. But prized amalgam decks in general might have a purpose now that you know you can play this value creature game that doesn't get just completely overcome by like here are my four field of the deads like nice three threes (laughs) right yeah yeah i am excited definitely for like the slightly bigger Mm -hmm. mid-range deck that was like invalidated as you're saying by field of the dead yeah um i think that'll be a, a pretty good space to explore the you know, I think ma- like Magic wants to have that kind of be an archetype available, and but things have been either way too over the top or way too under. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what those decks look like. Yeah, yeah. If you're playing Answers, it's really hard to have answers to both recursive black creatures and smugglers, Copter and Thoughtseize, yeah. and you know, removal spells and Field of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Like those, like yeah. the cards that are good against one are terrible against the other one for the most part. Yeah. I mean, Thoughtseize is probably, uh, I, it's definitely in my top three for best card in the format. Yeah. I mean, Veil's gone. Um, yeah, we saw it explode after Veil was banned, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to see a lot more fair games of Magic. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to just be jamming Thoughtseize against pretty much everything that I'm virtually afraid of. Combo decks are probably almost non-existent now, um, which is... Which is weird, because it's Pioneer. Well, so one thing that I'm thinking of is... Well, you know, they banned the easiest combo deck. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one disappeared very quickly in the format. However, Nexus, I think, might have some space here, because 
like how could nexus ever beat mono black you just yeah. kind of couldn't right now that deck is gone the thought sees aggro deck is gone that's like certainly the worst matchup that it could possibly have besides a thought sees aggro deck with naturalizes i guess and it seems pretty well positioned if a lot of people are gonna take the route of like mid-rangey strategy mm-hmm. so yeah i'm i'm all i'm uh i'm still just like thought sees is just gonna rule yeah. Um, I like, I if I'm playing Nexus, I'm still just afraid of Thoughtseize aggro decks. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Mono Black is still gonna just destroy it. Yeah, I mean, if Mono Black exists, like Smoker's Copter was not the thing making it beat Wilderness Reclamation, right? So. Yeah, I mean, it could lean maybe more into Vampires now or something like that. I mean, Soren is definitely a great. Soren is really strong. Yeah. yeah. The other card that I'm surprised we haven't mentioned yet is Oko. Yeah, no, Oko has been, like, the card I've been trying to, like, fit to into get us this to, conversation yeah, yeah. here at some point, because Oko is definitely the most powerful, like, mid-range threat-slash-answer yeah. that we now have answer, yeah. access to. If we're transitioning into mid-range, Oko rules mid-range very, very well. So I could definitely see, like, a, a bug mid-range thought sees interaction deck that plays, you know, like the Dig Through Time deck that existed before. Yeah. You know, I think that'll be, uh, a, a, you know, a pretty good, a pretty good place to... Yeah. To start off with, in, in my mind. I mean, I think Stubb is also going to have an uptick. Like, we're going to see Thoughtseize on one side, and we're probably going to see Stubb on the other side. But maybe we also see um, some of those um, those artifact-based decks that were making 5-5s. Five oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the Insoul decks. Yeah. Those had, they haven't really lost anything, have they? They haven't lost. I mean, Smuggler's Copter, right? Oh, oh of yeah. course. You know. Right. Yeah. Which was the best Insoul target. Yeah. Um, and and playing Heart of Kieran is actually pretty difficult in that deck because naturally as a card it doesn't work really. You have well, to insult it. Maybe we can play the blue green version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm goes in there, that. you know. <laughs> yeah. And Heart of Kieran was doing a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. 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 Heart of Kieran when <laughs> Heart of Kieran took over that slot when in standard. When um right. when Smuggler's Copter got banned, everybody just started jamming a bunch of Heart of Kieran's. So And I don't think it's completely out of line um i know that the deck that robert stanley was playing was basically like black red ported from standard old, yeah you know a couple destroyed. iterations ago standard yeah, playing destroyed. Here. robert stanley shout out <laughs> good magic player. um yeah. and i don't think there's any reason why we can't build scrap heap scrounger uh heart of karen deck yeah or some you know also we have like nuts cheap planeswalkers to play heart of karen with Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I did not run Royal Scions in my deck, but that is a hell of a card with Heart of Kieran. Uh, I'm scared of that card. Like, goes up to six loyalty and gives your Heart of Kieran plus two plus zero oh, and and trample and first strike. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a yeah. clock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, without without uh Smuggler's Copter around, I mean, like it just makes sense that these three mana planeswalkers are going to get a lot more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fair. Maybe Phoenix. I want Phoenix to come back so bad. <laughs> the well, uh, yeah. So let's think about its positioning though. Like Phoenix, as it's been built in Pioneer, is a removal deck that reloads really easily. Yeah. So unless you switch out how it's built, like what it's really going to need is for aggro decks with creatures that actually die to its removal yeah. to make a comeback in the format. Yeah. Yeah. The builds that I've been seeing of it to try to like adapt it and raise its power level to be commensurate with the format have been, I think, Thing in the Ice has been kind of under underperforming in the deck. Yeah, yeah. 
And the fewer green decks there are, the worse thing in the ice gets. Um, and with the Once Upon a Time ban, it probably gets even that much worse. Yeah. Um, and especially it was bad because of Fatal Push being in the best deck as a four of. True. And uh, so what people have been doing is running Merfolk Secret Keeper in there. Ooh. Because you can recoup the card with Treasure Cruise really easily. You yeah. could probably run a Dig Through Time as your fifth Delve spell in there if you've got four Merfolk Secret Keepers as well. Um, and it just makes it much easier to access multiple Phoenixes. And it's also one more one mana spell in a deck that doesn't have all that, you know, yeah. is, is a little tight on them. And so that is kind of cool. I've also seen Baral as a way to like cheat your two mana cantrips back into being one mana cantrips. Yeah. Um, but if Fatal Push is still being heavily played, that has the same problem as Thing in the Ice. No, definitely. I just want Treasure Cruise to be on top. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a deck again. Yeah. How, how, how do we not have Treasure That card got banned so quick. Fetchlands. Fetchlands made all of the difference. It was wild. Yeah. 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 Thoughtseize Treasure Cruise. Like, that's our <laughs> That's Thoughtseize my name. Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's your... There's isn't your isn't Thoughtseize set. a dig through time sort of card? I don't know. I'm ah. just... Treasure Cruise just sounds cooler than Dig. Dig, are, Dig already has a home, right? Yeah. Like, it has a Nexus. Yeah. Do you want to go digging, or do you want to go on a cruise? I mean, I it's would just rather, a clear yeah. choice. Yeah. Digging, yeah. Is, digging is maybe the worst kind of work in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a cruise sounds lovely. Um, <laughs> until, yeah. the, until the pirates. When you... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not a lot of pirates playable in Pioneer, though, so we're mostly yeah, fine. That's fair. Yeah. No pirates. If you... When you start playing pioneer again after the pc um definitely if you want to play some phoenix i would try the secret keepers because they've looked like they kind of pulled the deck together into being a more cohesive concept i'm 100 percent gonna jam it so <laughs> so I'll, I'll come to your room and ask you for a list <laughs> <laughs> nice unfortunately i will not really be working on pioneer this week because you know you guys have the pc to prepare for and i'm about to get i'm just like there's a modern IQ and then there's another mm. modern something. So I'm just mostly playing old and dusty modern for little local tournaments and stuff. I so. mean, you're getting your IQ points next year. You'll be next year. <laughs> Got to grind. Yeah, you'll, you'll, I'm gonna be ahead, right? Yeah, 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 you're just gonna be in the PC race. Here's here's a spot I want. I want to have played several IQs and like top aided most of them, and then be on the winning team at SCG Columbus. So then I can be at the top of the leaderboard for a little bit. You can old, be, it's your turn to be the old one. Jeremy Bertarioni move. <laughs> yeah. Chris, I have like literal no doubt. If you just yeah. committed the next season, you'd be on 100%. And my plan is to commit pretty hard next season. All right, I, so this guy is in yeah. the PC. Locking it, yeah. calling Locking it now. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. I will <laughs> definitely be at as many opens as I can be at. Um, I have not given myself the opportunity to like top eight these things at the rate that i would like to because i just need to be at them and i need to be playing the right decks and i, I need to be putting in the the time and the travel so that is it's a formula that's worked for us yep. i mean honestly like i felt like there was one tournament i i like really vibe with you in preparation for which was the last invitational yeah and uh like we really talked about like blue red phoenix how we want to break down plans and you top 16 yeah no, so, and I, like, I think our Phoenix build was more or less perfect for that weekend. Exactly, and you you just like already fit into the system, so mm-hmm. this is like no doubt. Yep, I did not vibe with either of the Lotus Box standard decks for that tournament. I was not an Esper uh, hero or a uh, uh, mass, manipulation. mass manipulation ramp. I, I wasn't really feeling either of those, so I just played monsters, which apparently is just a thing that I like doing. Is I like playing monsters decks when I can. Yeah. So. 
Rekindling um, Phoenix is near and dear. <laughs> I really love. I've won some just games. Phoenixes in general. Yeah. You just love Phoenix. I do honestly. I really <laughs> like both of those cards. Yeah, so. perfect. Phoenix is a really good card. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think Green Red was a bad choice. Yeah, it was like a week behind, but I got fortunate with some matchups and fortunate with some well-timed Basilica Bell Haunts into Nullhide Ferroxes. So, oh yeah, yeah. love to see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I agree. Like, I would like to kind of capture the sort of like state that I was in at that invitational mm-hmm. and start bringing that to more opens. I, I felt really ready for that tournament and I mostly played really well and did well. And I think that I can do that again. Again, yeah, yeah, no I doubt. think I can do that pretty consistently if I put in the time and the effort, which is tough. I mean, you, well, you got to put in the time and the effort for sure. Yeah. And I, I think the, the amount of, the impact that having a full-time job and driving to work and doing my job and driving home, the impact that that has on my available time for testing is pretty significant, and it does make it harder to do this really consistently. Yeah. Um, and I am going to kind of have to figure something out there. Um, no, I mean, I think that, like, yeah. I mean, I think if, when we work together, like, more mm-hmm. seriously, it's going to be... We're going to figure out the timing thing. I honestly think that our system is, like, not even halfway there mm-hmm. like i think that like the amount that we can improve in this next year like you're gonna see waves on the pt right like we we've always had waves on the scg which is great and i'm like super happy about that and i'm gonna continue my, to do my hardest to continue to have waves there but like you know it's getting to the point where like our team can demonstrate that that level of success also on the pt and like our system i really think uh, we're getting to the point where, like, you know, testing time is going to be, uh, it's going to shrink because we're just going to get more efficient at mm-hmm. testing the right things. Yeah. And I really noticed that this, this week in terms yeah. of the PC. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, it's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We've tested since we've all gotten back from like vacation and stuff for two days now. And I feel like, you know, it, it feels fun. like a Thursday or a Friday in terms of like how far we've gotten. Yeah. We've so. unlocked some secrets. And... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. for sure. So it feels really good. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, your testing time is just going to go down. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's just going to become so manageable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, one of the biggest things for me is that I need to set aside discrete blocks of time and be like, this is the time that I'm getting in games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, just feeling comfortable in matchups because I have played the games before is, like, pretty important to me and, like, helps me... In particular, figure out what my opponent has at any given point. Um, if I haven't played the matchup very much, that's really, really difficult for me. If I've jammed it a reasonable amount, then I am much better at predicting my opponent's sequence of plays yeah. at any given point. Yeah. And, and that that's really important for and winning games. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, it's going to be really easy uh, now that... Uh, I mean, like, with Evan's spreadsheet, we're just going to have, like, three decks for you to test. I'm going to tell you right now, what the key is going to be is that if you believe that you have a restriction on decks, Mm -hmm. that needs to be removed. The the moment where you remove that, I think you'll... Because, like, Mm -hmm. you'll do even better than you're already doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I always just believe... Like, Chris, I 100% believe that you can play any deck. (laughs) Well, you have a little more confidence than I do, but I am willing to play any deck. That's where it starts. It's yeah. all tested with Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and Jeremy's range has expanded enormously. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, his range was 
probably good and his confidence in his range has grown but but his testing hours really matched what you need Mm -hmm. yeah yep yeah and so that's that's definitely a, a difference that i'm looking to make over the course of this next year I do need a team for Columbus, though. So anybody out there who is also looking for a team oh, and willing dude, to put in I, some work. Uh, yeah, I actually got a couple of messages, and I think I might have a pretty lit team for you. Okay, I'm, I'm down. Sick. Yeah. I, I, I will say, like, you know, I love to be on a team where people are, are prepared and taking things seriously. But the most important thing is that we are, like, vibing and having a good time and, and enjoying each other's company. So, All right. Well, I think we might have something. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool. Then I won't send out the need a team for Columbus tweet quite yet, but we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see. I have no idea you were looking for a team now that I know. Yeah, I mean, I only, like, recently, like, locked in, like, definitely going to Columbus, definitely going to the first, like, five opens. And yes, I mean, Columbus is going to be lit. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. What, is, what are y'all's teams for Columbus? I'm with Jeremy and uh, Abe Corgan. Mm. I am undecided. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well. It's team modern, right? It's a. It's team modern, yeah. Boy, not the most excited. I wish format. it was team pioneer. <laughs> Why couldn't it be team pioneer? Yeah. Ooh, man. Yeah. Man, are there going to be some team pioneer opens this season? I, I probably. They, Sick. they did team modern because it's the most popular format, right? If pioneer, pioneer is catching I, up. I hope it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna talk to. I'm gonna. I hope. I hope. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna talk to Nick at the PC and just start the conversation. Yeah. Try yeah. to like put that possibility <laughs> into play team pioneer make it happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool well great let's see what is, is there anything else, else? missing i think we've hit on pretty much most of the stuff we wanted to talk about anything in particular you're excited to try in pioneer let me look, just like scroll down this list of pioneer decks so you can like look at the arts and see if there's anything that is striking your fancy I mean, you know, Oko is the biggest starting point for me. Mm-hmm. It just seems like clearly the best card in the format right now. So yeah, um, I, I like Mono Blue Devotion. Mono Blue Devotion. Yeah, Mono Blue Devotion puts an enormous amount of power and toughness into play very quickly. Okay. However, the Thassa threat yeah is significantly less real versus an Oko deck. No, I 100% agree. I'm not trying to... F- I'm not saying that this is going to be the answer against yeah. Oko at all, but... I, Andrew Jessup, mm-hmm. he made a, he posted a list, and he said he was doing really well with it, mm-hmm. and uh, I trust that guy. Yeah. yeah. I think it really depends a lot on what the format becomes defined by, and if it does become defined by Oko as just the premier, like, here's my three-mana Planeswalker that ends games... Uh, then you definitely want to make your deck so that that doesn't happen. Yeah, and going yeah. wide is a big way to address that, um, which could be like, hey, I've got all these master waves. Like, Oko's not great against that. If you oh, turn, I guess you turn, it into turn off... Elk, oh, man, that it just, kills just kills all the, all the tokens. tokens, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Oof. Oko is okay, yeah, problem. Oko is pretty Oko's a problem. <laughs> Um, but yeah. the place I was actually going in that sentence was okay. the final PTQ of PTQ week was won by humans. Oh yeah, some, um, some white weenie action. Not so. Oh, not, yeah, yeah. not this list mm-hmm. here. Uh, so it was it was green. It was white splash green for four Heron's Grace champions. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and some once upon a times. And yeah, some once. So the deck may not be super workable anymore, or it may just be lose a little consistency. I think it's just time. like a little sugar on top for the consistency element there, but. Probably. I don't think it'll be necessary. But one drops, 
Thali's lieutenant, mm-hmm. venerated Loxodon, yep. Heron's Grace champion, apparently. One mana spells seems to be a huge indication for strong pioneer decks. So yeah. I'm on board for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that type of deck, white weenie, go wide, especially because plus one, plus one counters are being used. Makes... Brave the elements. And brave the elements, powerful card. Card's really good. These are all parts of a deck that does not care about an Oko in play. Yeah. Same with the Hardened Scales deck. Oko... You know, when we were playing that, a lot of times your opponent casts a turn to Oko, and you just kind of couldn't be happier that that is what yeah. they are doing there. Their options are to make your creatures bigger, mm-hmm. or <laughs> they had to, to do a lot. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. had to do it a lot. This this voracious Hydra has trample. Right, you got to make it bigger so it doesn't have trample, or it's just going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. this walking blister is just going to shred your team, so you got to make it bigger. Best yeah. answer to Oko is probably Stone Stone Coil Serpent. Mm-hmm. That yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yep. that card was very strong. Yep. And both... It's a medium card in the Insole decks. It's a pretty good card in the Hardened Scales decks. Um, I don't know what other decks can use that card effectively, but it definitely is Yeah, surprisingly powerful card with lots of relevant keywords. I mean, with once up, I actually think it's good for the Hardened Scales deck that the Once Upon a Times don't exist, because now we have four free, free slots. That can be Hangerback Locker... Or that can be Thought Seizes. Mm-hmm. And both of which are dealing with the two par- parts of the format that it can't deal with. Yeah. I have mentioned in the past that Thought Seizes are in that deck in kind of a weird spot against like the control decks. Okay. Uh, particularly against the control decks that have Dig Through Time. Because <laughs> yeah. you're just like in a weird spot where like, okay, I can take your card advantage thing, but then you still have your Wrath of God. Yeah. Or I can start taking your removal, but then I'm fueling your dig through time and I'm slowing myself down enough by casting this Thought Seize yeah. instead of a threat that, you know, you may just be able to card me out of the game. And that's not always what happens. Sometimes you Thought Seize their Wrath, they don't have time to like draw cards, you make big threats and you kill them. But uh, finding a cohesive plan that works together with the Thought Seizes is a little more difficult than just putting the Thought Seizes into the deck in that yeah. sort of matchup. It, Hardened Skills might be like taking a step back and cutting the Mana Dorks. Because mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time might be the reason why it wanted to play Mana Dorks. Mm-hmm. And it might be like going towards um, like the old build. Yeah. 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 That's um, possible. And the, the, uh, the build with the, the Experiment 1s yeah. and the... And Experiment 1 is a really great card against rats. True. Oh, you know what? This this particular white weenie list is actually a lot bigger than the other ones I've seen. So, I mean, probably because Once Upon a Time makes it much more consistent for you to have the one drop. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was night leaning, so it only had eight one drops in Dauntless Bodyguard and Venerable Knight. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think you do have to build it pretty significantly differently without Once Upon a Time. Okay. Um, and because it only had eight one drops... You don't need you don't run the venerated Loxodon yeah. anymore because that you don't have that power play. Um, history is messed up. Yeah. So this is a history <laughs> yeah. of Benelia deck in particular. And I think without once upon a time you do have to construct your deck pretty differently from this. Do you think that now once upon a time is not in the format that it might want to go black with so it gets more one drops? Maybe. Maybe. Jinx? Or Red gets you Fervent Champion, I guess. Oh, I played against a red version. I got destroyed. Yeah. It was playing Embercleave. Ooh. Love to see it. I could be in. I love some Embercleave. You can sell me on Embercleave. I was, I was really sad. 
Yeah. I think it might have been playing Smuggler's Copter too, maybe. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, I still just felt bad. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this deck has a, a lot of potential. Yep. And also, don't forget that Mutavolt, also both a knight and a human, if you're Ooh, doing this sort of thing. So, love, see it. love it. So yeah, lots of cool stuff to explore in that format. Um, I will probably start with a Phoenix deck and be disappointed when it's not really <laughs> working. But we gotta try, though. We gotta yeah, try. Necessary. And then go back to Oko's. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. That's Oko's where it's the end-all be-all <laughs> of Magic the Gathering. Jeez, so. oh, every format, man. <laughs> there were seven in the finals of the Legacy GP. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one cool thing about that Legacy GP um, that somebody pointed out on Twitter is that there were, like, three reserved list cards in the winning deck. It was just like two oh, duels yeah. and something else because all it had was one tundra, one drop mm-hmm. as its duels, yeah. Um, and then it's just like snow mana base and <laughs> slowly but surely they're gonna they're gonna print cards to make all of those <laughs> older cards. Apparently, <laughs> even duels somehow. Yeah, we even gotta sell duels. duels. We gotta sell. Yeah. How do we how do we reprint duels? So just print Arkham's Astrolabe. Make them <laughs> irrelevant. They're irrelevant. Yeah. Pick up all your snow covered basics now. <laughs> well, those are not going to be. Pick up your Snowcover Basics. Ones. They're three hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're going to be like ten dollars by next year. Get your uh, secret lair snow covered basics. There you go. Those are going to be super expensive. Nice. Except that they're, yeah, but it's so hard to like get them to use because it's one of each basic. Mm. So if you want to run, you know, five islands and four planes or whatever. Like, you need so many secret layers. Yeah. It's quite a bit. I want a petition that all, um, what do you call it, land stations have snow-covered basics. Ooh. Yeah. Because, like, what if, like, there's so many times now in tournaments where I'm just like, I didn't bring snow-covered basics because I used to just get them from the Gotta land. Gotta go buy box. them for a couple dollars. Yeah, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. I'm sad. <laughs> Maybe I'll just start bringing snow covered basics with me to every tournament. Maybe it just might in be case. necessary. Yeah, yeah. I do, but usually there's seven other people who need them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very Whoops. true. Very true. Yeah. Well, Zan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And congratulations again. Um, Play of the year. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. What? Uh, you get anything for that? Get three buys. Oh, that's right. It's pretty big. That is really big, actually. Yeah, three buys. Yeah. I mean, SCG, if you're watching, I would love a gamer chair. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'll give, I would give you free advertisement. Nice. Yeah, boy, you're just like not going to have to play any Magic Day 1 in these tournaments, huh? Yeah, I mean... Uh, there's a lot of team opens, though, so... I think there's a curse on the position, right? Like, mm, Tom Ross true. had three buys... Yeah. Um, and his season didn't go well when he had three buys, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And then Caleb Scherer... Season definitely didn't go well. Austin Collins. Austin Collins season didn't. It's, I think he did better of the two, but still, mm-hmm. it's a it's a very cursed position. So I want to be the first player that just dominates with three buys. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's anybody who can do it, I believe in Zan. So thanks, guys. Yeah. You've got thanks, Collins. You've got the yeah. support system and stuff. I, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as I, as long as our unit just keeps working the way it is. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't imagine. Feels good. Definitely. Cool. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. If you would like to lend us some support, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrandcast. 
or straight to our website, mtggrindcast.com, where we've got links to the Patreon, links to all of our episodes, links to Collins's coaching services. If you want to find us on social media, I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. The podcast Twitter is at MTG underscore Grindcast. Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. And Zane, you got a bunch of stuff. So there is the Lotus Box Patreon, right? How does yeah. somebody join that? Uh, you can join us at the Team Lotus Box Patreon. It's like dash Team Lotus Box. So patreon.com slash yeah. Team Lotus Box. Yep, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. Come watch my stream. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Zansaid. Zansaid. No and underscore, just Zansaid. Just Zansaid. Okay. And I'll be back next Monday. Cool. Awesome. And on Twitter, you are Zan underscore Sid. Ooh, that's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should change that. Nah, uh, it's too late. Uh, You're locked in. You're established. It might be on my jersey, so I don't think I can right now. But when I change my jersey, I'll change it. Right, okay. There go. Yeah. Cool, cool. Once again, thanks everybody so much for listening, and have a great week. Peace. This is a G.